Colin Kaepernick might get another shot at playing in the NFL. We'll explain how. Also, a new survey suggests that Americans still think religion does a lot of good for society. And Taylor Swift is taking a stand, accusing industry executives of, quote, tyrannical control over her work. That's all ahead. This is Relevant Daily. It's Relevant Daily. It's Relevant Daily. It's Relevant Daily. Everyone, I'm Jesse Carey. Welcome to Relevant Daily, where we bring you what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture. All those stories are coming up. But first, I want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a clean landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or even an appealing online store, it's all possible with Squarespace. They have award-winning templates, customizable settings, and of course, powerful e-commerce tools. And right now, Squarespace is offering Relevant Daily listeners a special deal. Head over to squarespace.com slash relevant for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your site, use the offer code relevant to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash relevant. All right, to tell us about today's stories, it's our senior editor, Tyler Huckabee. Tyler, what's going on, man? Hey, Jesse, nice to have you back on The Daily. Yeah, man, it's good to be back. So I want to jump right in with this first story. There's a big kind of NFL story. Typically, unless there's something that's really kind of at that intersection of like a social issue or faith issue, we, we don't do a lot of sports. But uh, this Saturday is kind of a significant day for uh, mm-hmm. a major story in the NFL. Tell us what's going on. Yeah, it's interesting. So on Saturday, current NFL free agent Colin Kaepernick will work out for at least 13 teams in an effort to once again play quarterback in the league. From 2011 to 2016, obviously Kaepernick played quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, leading them to the Super Bowl, but he's remained unsigned since 2017. So this story has a lot of context, and it's kind of been a while since we've kind of talked about Mm -hmm. Kaepernick as it pertains to him as a player, not just an activist. Remind us real quick how we got here. Okay, so uh, while he was in the league, Kaepernick really became the face of the protest against police violence and racial injustice. He, of course, started kneeling during the national anthem before games, and he filed a grievance against the league, alleging that owners colluded to prevent him from playing. Now, that grievance was eventually withdrawn following a settlement with the NFL. So this seems like it could potentially be promising, right? Uh, Maybe, but not everyone is convinced about the NFL's motives for hosting this workout because the workout's being hosted on a Saturday, not on a Tuesday, as is the custom with these type of events. Saturdays are typically a day when most teams are traveling or prepping for Sunday's games. So that's why people are a little skeptical or suspicious. Kaepernick's former teammate, Eric Reed, who joined Cap in his protests, told ESPN that the scheduling makes the workout feel disingenuous, adding, quote, at this point, it feels like a PR stunt. So very possible here that the NFL is just trying to play the optics game with Kaepernick here, but uh, he's been keeping in shape the entire time he's been off and will absolutely bring his A game to the tryout one way or the other. Yeah, and what's interesting, I mean, there's a lot of wrinkles to this story, but one of the rumors that I heard is that Jay-Z, who entered into a partnership with the NFL and Roger Goodell to introduce uh, like uh, important kind of social uh, activism into the league through different means was actually one of the ones who helped coordinate this this workout. Mm-hmm. So that that's interesting as well. And look, uh, you know, there's a uh, there's a couple teams out there that need quarterbacks right now. There's a lot of injuries. <laughs> and uh, if, if you've been watching, I don't know if you watched last night's. So you're, you're, you're not a big Thursday Night Football guy, don't, right? Don't watch a lot of pro football, no. 
Well, you know, if you watch, the Steelers definitely need a new quarterback. So who knows? Who knows where Cap will end up? Uh, you know, so we'll see. All right. Well, hey, look, let's turn to some other news. A new survey says that most Americans think religion is a good thing. That That's pretty interesting. It is interesting, especially because as we've talked about on this podcast a number of times, America is seeing a pretty sharp decline in people who say they are religious. But this new survey says that most Americans still see religion as being a net positive for society. So what is the actual study here? So it's from Pew Research, and they found that 55% of Americans think churches and religious organizations do more good than harm. 53% say they think churches strengthen society's morality, and 50% half say they bring people together. Well, those are kind of slim margins. I mean, Mm -hmm. 50%, 53%, 55%. And all within the margin of error. Uh, But it is worth noting that only 20% of Americans said churches do more harm than good. The other 24% say that churches don't really make much difference at all either way. Similarly, only 12% of respondents said religion weakens morality. Uh, 35% said it's just ineffectual. So in other words, this survey definitely is a mixed bag. Narrow majorities do still see religion as a force for good. A distinct minority see them as a force for bad. Bad, but a growing number of Americans don't see them as much of a force at all. Hmm. That, yeah, that is. I mean, it's concerning that, yeah, for a lot of people, like churches, essentially irrelevant. But at least, exactly. at least, it's it leans that it's a positive force. You know, mm-hmm, it reminds sure. me of the the conversation that we had with Malcolm Gladwell in the, in the most recent issue of Relevant, which you can subscribe to now. Uh, you know, where he talked about, uh, you know, sort of anecdotally is what we're seeing in terms of just the polarized nature of a lot of dialogue and culture, the result of a lot of people in America no longer coming together once a week on Sunday morning from, you know, I mean, churches bring people in from a variety of backgrounds. Mm-hmm. They don't, they most likely don't work together. They, you know, they might live in close proximity, but church, even, even if you stripped away the religious undertones of, of what it does is, it was a place where communities meet together. And yeah, so yeah. even from that aspect, it seems to have a positive outcome when people seem more and more disconnected from the people they live close to. It's that third space that people talk about a lot. Everybody yeah. has two spaces, a home and a job. But where's that third space where you meet people that aren't in those locations? Uh, for some people, that has often been uh, some sort of religious organization, a house yeah. of worship, where once a yeah. week you meet people who are a little bit outside of your normal social spheres. And that was considered a generally good thing. It's just not the case as much anymore. And there are other places that are kind of coming in to meet that need as well. Yeah. Coffee shops, uh, libraries have always been a big one in this for- if you're, if you're relevant podcast producer Chandler Strang, the vape shop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it'll be interesting to it'll be interesting to continue to chart this uh, to to chart this trend. Yeah, I'm just joking, everyone. Don't vape; it's very bad for you, evidently. All right. Uh, so finally, and it's not cool. Uh, finally, Taylor Swift is speaking up about artist rights. What's what's she saying, Tyler? This is an interesting one. So on Thursday, Taylor Swift took to social media to read what kind of felt like a last-ditch plea for some resolution to her ongoing dispute with pop music kingmaker Scooter Braun and her former label head, Scott Borchetta. She accused them of putting the kibosh on a planned musical medley of her past hits at an upcoming performance on the American Music Awards and a previously unannounced Netflix documentary about her career. 
On Twitter, she wrote, don't know what else to do with accompanying screenshots laying out her allegations against Braun and Borchetta. According to Swift, Big Machine Records told her she would not be allowed to use her old songs unless she agreed to not re-record them in the future and promised to not speak negatively of Braun and Borchetta. Swift has planned on re-recording her old music when her Big Machine contract expires in November of next year. She wrote, quote, the message being sent to me is very clear. Basically, be a good little girl and shut up or you'll be punished. Swift asked her fan base to, quote, let Scott Borchetta and Scooter Braun know how you feel about this, recruiting the not inconsiderable power of the Swifties to her cause on this one. Well, those are pretty serious accusations. How has the, you know, record company Big Machine responded? Well, in a statement, Big Machine denied Swift's version of the events. They said, quote, the narrative Swift has created does not exist. Uh, went on to say, quote, we were shocked to see Swift's Tumblr statements yesterday based on false informations. At no point did we say Taylor could not perform on the AMAs or block her Netflix special. In fact, we do not have the right to keep her from performing live anywhere. However, contrary to the implications of that statement, Swift didn't really accuse Big Machine of forbidding her from performing live. She only accused them of saying that she couldn't play her old music at the AMAs from the Netflix special. Uh, Swift's spokeswoman highlighted this discrepancy to Pitchfork, saying, quote, in Big Machine's statement, they never actually deny either claim Taylor said last night in her post. Swift's spokeswoman also produced an old email from Big Machine Label Group's vice president of rights management and business affairs that appeared to corroborate Swift's claims. So the allegations, if true, are a really startling look inside the mechanics of an industry that continues to tilt power and control away from artists and towards executives. By any measurement, Swift is in the top half dozen or so most powerful people in the music industry right now. But even she is subject to its systemic unfairness and the greed of the people at the top. Only time will tell if her opening up about her story will force any change. Mm, that's an interesting one. One to keep an eye on. One also that like when people talk about sort of the democratization of the music industry or the entertainment industry in general, it, you know, you wonder, hopefully will st horror stories like this eventually become things of the past as mm -hmm. more and more young artists are basically using SoundCloud and Spotify to get their music out there and, and, and they own everything. And, right. you know, so, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. But also, if this is uh, the type of story that shows why a major shift in the record industry is necessary. Yeah, exactly. And we, we've talked to a lot. We get to talk to a lot of artists for Relevant. And it's something we hear a lot about is artists saying they would rather keep control of their music away from the big studios uh, and kind of deal with the obvious limitations that brings it as well, because they don't have the same sort of reach or distrib distribution power. But they but they're looking at stories like Taylor Swift and saying they don't want to do that. Well, Tyler, thanks, man. Hey, thanks, Jesse. Have a good weekend, dude. Hey, you do the same. Have a good weekend, everybody. Yeah. You can read more about those stories and, of course, everything else we're covering today at RelevantMagazine.com. Also, follow us on social. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And subscribe to our, our print magazine, our email newsletter, and all of our other podcasts. And don't forget, we're here every weekday bringing you the latest at the intersection of faith and culture. Thanks for listening, everyone. This is Relevant Daily. Relevant Daily.